be a, coach, a golf coach at a high school over in Tacoma, Washington. And thank you, Pastor Rick. One day I was walking down the fairway during a practice with, uh, with a group of young men. Uh, they were all seniors. We were right at the end of the, the school year. And uh, my day job, I'm a pastor. I just, I'm there to like, invest in these kids and be part of the community. And uh, one of them said to me, so what made you decide to become a pastor? Like, how'd, that, how'd that happen? And my answer was, because I'm convinced that Jesus Christ is the solution to everything that ails humanity. Every problem that you encounter, every difficult situation that we see in the world and that comes into our personal lives is the result of the fact that God has a way and we choose our way instead. I don't know if you're like me. I think you probably are. I choose my way. I choose me over and over. But God has made a solution to that problem. When we couldn't fix ourselves, he sent his son into the world to die for us. And that's really what Christmas is all about. Uh, I'm totally off the grid on you, by the way, on the slides there, Cheryl. Sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, one of the things that I love about Christmas is the humor. Uh, the, there's so many great, some of the great movies of all time are Christmas comedies. I feel like every generation kind of has their list of, of three or four. And there's some really funny songs out there. If you've never heard of it before, you should definitely YouTube the song, Santa Claus is Thumbing to Town. My personal favorite Christmas song. Uh, there's also, you know, if you spend much time online, there's like memes and some of them are wildly inappropriate, but there's cartoons and that kind of thing uh, that are just hilarious. Uh, I just pulled one out for you that I saw this week. It's kind of dumb, kind of dad humor, but the wise men brought gold, frankincense, and the third guy has obviously had children before because he brought disposable diapers. Uh, I'm told that I have 10 minutes, and so I want to try a quick exercise. Uh, on the count of three, I want everybody to shout out their birthday. Okay, kids, you know your birthday? You know, you know your birthday? Mine's April 16th, if you're wondering. Uh, we're going to shout that out together. Kids, I need your help because parents can be kind of, you know, they can be kind of reserved. Okay, so I need you to, like, help us out and shout really loud. Are you ready? One, two, three. April 16th. Wow, you guys did not disappoint on that. Okay, so you know your birthday. I could totally hear my kid over everyone. Does not figure. Uh, I don't know if that's paternal instinct or if my kid's just really obnoxious, but time will tell. Uh, so on your birthday, who gets celebrated? Your friends and family celebrate you, right, on your birthday. On Christmas, whose birthday is it? We celebrate Jesus' birthday on Christmas. That's what we're, that's what we're celebrating about. That's what the presents are all about. That's what all the food that I've been ramming in my face is about. That's what Christmas is really all about. So there's this verse in the Bible... In Psalm chapter 34, verse 3, it says, magnify the Lord with me. The, the Psalms are a collection of songs and prayers, and the author is inviting us to magnify God. You know what this is, right? A magnifying glass? What happens when you point it at something? It, it magnifies it. It looks bigger, right, Will? You've used one of these before, surely, to burn something. Uh, it makes whatever is in it look huge, right? Like my thumb just looks massive, right? It's pretty cool, I know. Uh, really impressive. Magnify the Lord with me. The author is inviting us to make a big deal about God, to make God bigger and more prominent than all of the other things around us. I mention this verse because in the Christmas story, it's found in Luke chapter one, there's a section that we call Mary's song. Mary, Jesus' mom, is pregnant and she sings this song and she actually echoes the sentiment of this verse. This is what she says. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary's song begins with, my soul magnifies the Lord. She's choosing to make God bigger 
in her mind than all of the trouble that's around her. She's made the decision to magnify God and her spirit is lifted. Uh, I choose to have my spirit lifted. If my choice is between up or down, I want to have my spirit lifted. Mary magnifies the Lord and her spirit is lifted. Now really quickly, I just want to point out two things about Mary. I think most of us have some familiarity with uh, the journey Mary and Joseph took to Bethlehem, uh, the wise men we saw up there a little bit earlier. I just want to point out a couple of things uh, about Mary. One is that she's a flawed human. Now, different streams of Christianity have different views about Mary, um, but what we can all agree on is that in this verse, she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She calls God her Savior. Uh, Mary's not perfect, and we know that because if she was perfect, she wouldn't need a Savior. She says, God is my Savior. God has provided for me. She's acknowledging her need for God. My guess is Mary's a lot like us. Uh, she has a life, and maybe she has her social media version of her life, but her real life doesn't actually live up to it. Uh, Mary's just a normal person like we are. But my perception and what I understand from the scripture is that she's blessed by God because she's willing to humbly submit herself to God's plan A for her life instead of forcing her own into action. She simply trusted God, even though she's not perfect, She's a perfect example of a person who opened up their life to God's plans. That's the first thing. The second thing I find interesting that you will totally relate to is that she has a mess on her hands. Now, your mess probably doesn't look the same, but your life gets messy sometimes. There's some big problems happening in Mary's life right now. For one, she's a pregnant, unmarried teenager. Now, that's a difficult start in any context, but in her context... Women have a very low value, single women have an even lower value, and a, a woman who is considered promiscuous has no value in their culture. Mary has a problem on her hands. She's pregnant, but it's, it's the son of God. She hasn't done anything wrong. Good luck selling that to your parents, right? <laughs> Add to those sorrows the fact that she's engaged to a guy named Joseph, and he's not the dad, and he would know if he was the dad, you know what I'm saying? Jesus is conceived, not naturally like you and I were, but God has performed a miracle in Mary's womb, and she's pregnant. Uh, I feel like I tiptoed around that pretty good, don't you think? Yeah, okay. Uh, so Mary's got a problem on her hands, does she not? Imagine trying to sell that to Joseph. Uh, we got a whole bunch of Josephs in here, right? You're going to buy that story? That's going to be a tough sell. Uh, Mary's got a problem on her hands. In fact, her being pregnant out of wedlock was such a cultural faux pas that when they went to Bethlehem, we usually hear there's no room at the inn, but what actually was happening was uh, they went to Joseph's hometown, so it wasn't like a Motel 6 that they strolled up to and, and went in and, no, sorry, no vacancy. It would have been Joseph's family that shut the door in their face. Joseph's extended family wanted to disassociate themselves from Mary and Joseph because this situation was so culturally unacceptable. So Mary's got these two things going. One, she's, she's just a flawed human like us with insecurities and weaknesses and all that, and she's also got a huge problem on her hands. Now, I mention those two things because sometimes when we think about Mary singing this song, my soul magnifies the Lord, uh, we might be tended to picture Mary kind of like nesting off in a suburban gated, gated community somewhere and all is right with the world. It's nothing like that. It's a disaster. And in the middle of that, Mary sings out, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit is lifted. My spirit rejoices. In the time of stress, what does Mary do? She magnifies 
God and her spirit is lifted. In life, we're always looking through one of these. You know how when you have a huge problem, uh, something stressful in your life, it's like you lay your head down on the pillow and it's right there next to you on the pillow. And then when you wake up, magically, it's still there. Amazing. Uh, that's, that's, what we, that's what we experience in life. We're always magnifying something. And Mary somehow pulls the glass off of her problems and puts it on God. Magnifies the Lord. It would be easy for her to just keep staring at the problem. Uh, but Mary makes a decision to magnify the Lord. What I'm suggesting this Christmas is that you don't have to magnify the first thing that comes to mind. Because the most troubling thing that's happening in your life is the first thing that's going to try and force itself into your thought life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to scream out for this in your life. But you don't have to magnify that. You can call out to God. You can choose to magnify the Lord. One of my favorite sections of scripture is found in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, I'm suggesting that we choose to magnify what God has already done instead of focusing on the problem, the difficulty that's happening in our lives. And I just want to share just a couple verses with you. We're going to wrap up in just a minute. Pastor Rick's going to come and kick us out and uh, maybe sing one more song. I, I don't know. I'm going to hand it over to them. Uh, but I just want to share this verse with you. And, and the truth is this verse right here is three verses, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. These are the verses that when I grabbed a hold of them, it changed my life. I could never go back to my old way of thinking. And I just want to share them with you. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So no one can boast about it. You were saved simply by God's grace. His grace, his blessing, his protection, his provision, his mercy, all of that is a gift through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, you can't earn it. You cannot work for it because it's free. You can't earn something that's free. All you do is receive it through faith, is believe. It goes on to say, for we are God's masterpiece. Um, I love the Greek word there for masterpiece. It's, it's poema. It's where we get our word poem. Uh, we are God's poem, his masterpiece. You're the pinnacle of God's creation. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Jesus came and he lived the life I couldn't live and he died on the cross to pay for my sins and he's settled the moral scorekeeping for each and every one of us. And so here's what that means. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever you're going through this moment, whatever lies out in front of you, the story ends well for you because Jesus has paid the bill. All we do is put our faith in him and then just live accordingly. You're the pinnacle of God's creation. He has good things planned for you. He has a plan A for your life. It's probably not all going to be easy, but you can trust him. He's acting in your best interest because he's good, because he's for you. So this Christmas, uh, no matter what you've been dealing with, whatever's behind you, and no matter what uncertainty is out in front of you, you can walk out the door tonight having made the decision to magnify the Lord. And that's what I'm hoping every one of us will do. You can walk out the door having made the decision that I'm going to receive his gift of grace, his blessing, his favor, his forgiveness. I'm going to receive that. I'm going to trust him with my future because I know that he has good things in mind. And when you magnify the Lord, when you magnify anything, guess what happens to all of the things around it? They look smaller. 
they get smaller. You can magnify the Lord and your problems will become smaller because you can trust in Him. Uh, They won't automatically, magically go away, but you can trust Him to get you through. So I want to invite everyone here to make the decision to trust in God. If you're like me, I end up magnifying a lot of other things in my life. And sometimes I come to this, this fork in the road where it's like, God, I've been magnifying everything but you in my life. And today we can simply change course because of Jesus. We have that opportunity. So I'm just going to ask you if you would pray with me and then uh, Pastor Rick will come up and take it right there. Let's just have a conversation with God really quickly. Lord, I am grateful uh, that you are... You are a good and gracious father to all of us who act as prodigals. Lord, we we often know what we should do, and then we go the other direction instead. That is in our nature. And yet when you look at that, you say, I love you and I want you. Come home. And that is a remarkable thing. Lord, I am overwhelmed by the fact that when you looked down and you, you see each one of us, and not the best version of us, you see us at our worst, and you say... My son died for you. I want you. Come to me. And so, Lord, today, I want to magnify you. We choose to magnify you and your goodness and your grace and your mercy and trust in you for your best plans in our life, God. Lord, we trust in you to see us through the current difficulty. We trust you with the future. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would have your way in our lives, Lord. Amen. Pastor Rick.